Hello and welcome all into the MO podcast. You're here with me, Consummation Sam, and my lovely co-host, Atreya. 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 That was different. Yeah, I think next time I'm going to get pom-pom and go, give me an A, give me a T. I'm going to do it like different every week. I might even do different accents. Good. No, I won't. I'll probably just say it normal. Fair enough. Uh... <laughs> Don't let me stop you. No, yeah, I have forgotten me. <laughs> Whoa, no. But anyway, yes. So, today we are going to be talking about two nautical adventures. The first is what happened to the Orang Madame. And the second one is the strange disappearance of the El Fasto. The first one, which is the Orang Madame, was a Dutch steamship that disappeared in 1947. It was travelling through the Straits of Malacca, which is near Sumatra, Malaysia. There was a distress signal picked up in the area by British and Dutch listening posts and several ships as well. The distress signal read, All officers, including the captain, dead, lying in the chart room and on the bridge, probably whole crew dead. This was followed up by a frenzy of unintelligible Morse code, and then the last message was, I die. The nearest ship that responded was called the Silver Star, which was an American merchant ship. It was over 200 nautical miles away, so they took a while to get there. As they pulled up to the Orang Madan, the, they saw the ship was undamaged. There was a lifeboat missing, and it was listing slightly to the right, or starboard, if you want to be all proper. Fancy. Mm, see, I learnt a word. <laughs> so the crew of the Silver Star boarded and they found, quote, bodies strewn across the decks. The bodies were lying on the back on their backs with frozen grimaces of fear on their faces. The quote is the the teeth were barred with upturned faces to the sun, staring as if in fear. Even the dog died in mid growl, apparently. The little terrier. Oh, yeah. Apparently. We'll be using that word a lot with this one, I feel. <laughs> there was no blood or external in- injuries, no signs of struggles on these dead bodies. They were just lying in place. As the search party were looking for any documents or logbooks that they could find, a fire broke out in the hold and they all evacuated. They decided to tow the ship into port, but as they were just trying to tie it up, it actually exploded, which raised it out of the water, and then it sunk. It's a bit of a common theme, isn't it? With all these ships that are abandoned, and then the rescuers find them, and it's like, oh, well, we would have towed it back, but unfortunately it exploded, or and or there was a fire, and it sank. So can we just claim the salvage rights? <laughs> mm. It's a bit of a trend, isn't it? There's, there's quite a few that have been... Indeed. All very mysterious. This, exactly the same. On this one, I am going to actually call Bull Honky. Yes. Because there's a lot of evidence here to say that this actually never happened. I mean, unless you can convince me otherwise. Right. I mean, I'll, gi- I'll give it a go, but I-, I make no promises. Okay. So, in 1940... Or 1947, or 1948, or 1959, the Orangmadan was found adrift. So to me, already, right, these red flags, because <laughs> that, that's quite a stretch of dates that you've got there. But go on. It is. It is. However, we know that the media can potentially be a bunch of arseholes and keep regurgitating stories. I mean, I don't know if I've had to actually block stories uh, to my phone from The Sun and The Daily Star because I am sick of the bullshit there's a ghost in my house stories that keep coming up year after goddamn year. And it's like, no, it's not real. It didn't happen. Stop bullshitting me with your trash tabloid. <laughs> so potentially we could blame the media on all of this. However, there's the Silver Star story where they boarded the ship, blah de blah They found all the bodies. There was no survivors. Even the man who was, you know, typing out the Morse code, he had said, all crew dead. And then he died, which would mean there were no survivors. However, one of the stories claims that there was a sole survivor who was rescued by one of the passenger ships. Um, and he told the rescuers that they were carrying badly stowed sulfuric 
acid and the fumes leaked and poisoned all of the crew. And he narrowly escaped, which could be plausible, really. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they were carrying sulfuric acid on a Navy vessel, but that's by the by. Now, the bit that does that did it for me originally was that the Morse code wasn't just heard by the Silver Star. It was heard by a number of passing ships. It wasn't recorded by any of them, wasn't logged by any of them, but allegedly was heard by a number of passing ships. So if it had just been heard by the one, I can go, mm-hmm. hasn't been heard by anybody. And this man, this Silvio Shirley, who keeps regurgitating this story about this ship adrift, is full of shit. But it was the fact that the Morse code was apparently heard by several ships. So even if nobody boarded the Orangmadan because the Orangmadan never existed or what have you, that doesn't detract away from the fact that if several ships that were passing by did pick up this Morse code, there was a ship in danger, there was a ship whose entire crew had disappeared and died under strange circumstances, whether it be the Orangmadan or not. Yeah. As well, I saw that it was British and Dutch listening posts as well heard this. And this was the when the Dutch East Indies were actually a thing, and it was just after the war. So there was British listening posts there just to see if anyone was up to any, any nefarious stuff in the area, and the Dutch, because it was their kind of... They still owned the East Indies. So I, that l- l- lends it a little bit of credence to me that it, they actually heard this as well. Yeah. Now, I know they say that all the crew had these looks of horror on their faces, like they were legit terrified to death, scared to death. It's possible because it was wartime, and we know that, I mean, God, Hitler and Himmler were dabbling in the black arts, for God's sake, and building their Knights of the Round Table. Is it entirely unbelievable that the Allies, or even the Americans alone, could have been dabbling in biochemical warfare or chemical warfare. Maybe they had some secret nerve agents that were being tested on board that leaked and they basically made the whole crew hallucinate. Maybe they had heart attacks. Maybe they genuinely were terrified, scared to death. I don't know. I've never been high on LSD. Maybe it seems plausible to me. It's not unknown that chemical warfare hasn't been used it factually has we have lots of evidence of of chemical warfare being used it's entirely plausible to me that if the story is true that that could exactly have been what they were carrying yep i mean without shadow of doubt we we know that unit 731 was a japanese scientific unit it was led by shiro ishii who was a bacteriologist, if that is an, if, is a, is a thing. I, 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 bacteriologist? Yeah, I don't know. I actually, yeah, I've Googled it, and it is a job description. Bet you got loads of dates. Yeah, but it's kind of a subdivision of microbiology. He led Unit 731, and he did commit a lot of war crimes during World War II using bacterial agents and chemical warfare on prisoners of war so we did, we know that as a fact and this was happening within that area and the time scale kind of worked that as well and of course yes there's no records of the orangmadan even existing there's no records of the silver star or um what's the other one the city of baltimore actually coming into contact with the orangmadan at all but if they were carrying secret covert undercover government secret agents and chemicals well then there wouldn't be any record because it would have been secret (laughs) do you know what i mean they would have been traveling presumably under an alias all their records would be removed and actually there was a letter sent to the cia in 1959 which is now available on the internet it was declassified in 2003 um that requests that they look into this strange happenstance and the um, addressee, who it's addressed to, is still redacted. Yeah. Uh, the letter is in the CIA archive, and you, you can actually look at it. It was a, a letter in 1959 by C.H. Marrick Jr. And he, he wrote to the assistant director of the CIA about this. It's a two-page letter, 
and the first page is is very concise. It is what 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 was what happened on the Orangutan that was reported. The second page kind of strays into tinfoil hat territory for me. <laughs> I mean, he does go on to say there's been sightings of huge fiery spheres rising from the sea. He quotes he, he, he quotes the story of a knight in Sardinia who had a stick that he was holding and it burst into flames. And in 1067, people saw a fire that flamed and burned in the sky. So, he had written to the CIA previously, and a few of his letters are in the archive, so he was known, and the reply to Marek Jr. is five lines long. We will look into this, Unutter. Thanks for writing, the CIA. Yeah, P.S. Stop writing. Yeah. (laughs) But why did they keep it classified? Why was it even classified? If they're like this guy is a is a known crazy, why why even do why do you classify it until twenty like two thousand and three? I I I I don't know. Surely they must have been like, well, I mean, yeah, he's a nutter, but do you think they could have been carrying, you know, neurochemicals or something that could be well dodge? Because we should probably look into that. They, I mean, this 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 genuinely could have happened, but I'm. Unsure as well with the dates that they received this. Morris K. Jessup, who we all know from the Philadelphia experiment, we know and love. Yes, indeed, he he wrote about this in in his book in 1955 and speculated about UFO paranormal activity happening. Personally, I think that. Ah, uh, Marek Jr. here was just a fan of the little bit out there and he's read this book and maybe come across a newspaper archive and decided to go, this this makes sense. Exactly, this is exactly what happened in 1067, thousand years ago. <laughs> so the CIA needs to be told they weren't around in 1067 to deal with it, but now they are. I think I, with it being classified and with the person being redacted i i don't i don't really know why and what what that's about so do you think it's just a an outright lie that all of the passing ships had heard the morse code do you think that was just fabrication i don't actually think this actually ever happened because yeah it either happened three times or it never happened <laughs> so the first the first actual Newspaper reporting was in. Now I'm not. I'm not going to take these as as factually like periodicals that were there because it's the Yorkshire Evening Post and the Daily Fucking Mirror. Yeah, and the Hampshire Telegraph. So they're not like you know. Is it the Yorkshire Post or is it the the Liverpool Echo? What one of them that has the article actually has flight like UFOs, like pictures, cartoons of it around the article, and it's like, how am man? You're not even trying to make this believable. Yeah, the Liverpool Echo was in 1955, uh, and it was also reported by the Leicester Chronicle in 1953. So I think I think that's just by the same guy. Yeah, I think it's just regurgitation of an older story. But the difference between the English reporting or the English stories is that there was glaringly different descriptions. So it was a different place. Solomon Islands, yep. And the distress call was SOS from the steamship Orang Madame. Beg ships with shortwave wireless, get in touch with doctor, urgent. Then later on, second message was probable second officer dead, other members, crew also killed, discard medical consultation, SOS urgent assistance. Discard medical consultation, there is no doctor that can save us now, we're all died. I'd believe that more as an SOS than the other one with all officers, including Captain Dad. I'd believe the first, the second one more, just because it's more concise, need a doctor, please help us. Whereas the first one is, oh, woe is us, we are drifting in the sea, bereft of any help. We float. You know, it's more, there's, there's too much language in it that you wouldn't 
get from someone in the navy never mind someone it's 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 worthy of chaucer also probably whole crew dead go and fucking check you're the morse court code dude get your facts right before you start tap tap tapping away and how about less of all of the captain and officers are dead in chart room and on bridge get the fuck up the bridge and start steering this ship you daft twat we could be going into an iceberg here. That's it. There's, there's too much information in it, if you know what I mean. Whereas the second one's more concise and to the point. <laughs> yes. We're all dying. Get a doctor. Help us. Yeah, you were yeah, expecting to write just, a poem or something. I think that's definitely uh, artistic license yeah. on the second one. <laughs> I mean, the fact the fact that you said the orangutan wasn't in, uh, it wasn't registered. It wasn't. Which, yeah, obviously, I mean, obviously, I say obviously, but orang is a Sumatran word for man, which is orangutan, is man of the jungle. So you can kind of think, yeah, because of the name of the ship, and Medan is a place in uh, Malaysia, you can think it was registered around that area. And the Silver Star was actually yeah. was didn't start its life out as the Silver Star. It started its life out as something else, and then was bought by an American company and renamed yes to the Silver Star. So there are a few bits that you that you kind of pick up on and go yeah okay this is this this kind of kind of makes a story, but the one bit that I will not budge on is. The second officer of the Orang Medan was called Jerry Rabbit. Now, he was picked up and taken on board in Shanghai. <laughs> now, I, I don't need to tell you the problems with that name and that location. <laughs> he could have been on holiday and just looking for work. He could have been. He could have, been, he could have really been on holiday, but in in he, he was either he was supposed to be German. And and he's not even an umlau over the A or anything like that, or or one of them double S's in his name. So I can't believe that. It's not illegal for German people to have a holiday in Malaysia, though. He could have been a German man on holiday in Malaysia and then going, you know what, I'm a sailor and I know I'm on holiday, but I've had far too many pints. I've run out of money. I should probably look for some sailory work. Oh, look, there's a ship that is looking for sailors. I will put my name forward and then I will hope that eventually they sail back round to Germany so that I can go back to my wife who doesn't know I've run out of money or that I'm taking another job while I'm here and she's expecting me back in two days. Could be. You just don't know. You don't eat his cereal. You don't eat a, you don't live his life. Yeah, indeed. There was there was that uh sailor that got off the ship in the Philadelphia experiment episode that we did he got off the ship 20 minutes before it, it, it set sail just for a pint and uh and that shit went down exactly so but i just i just find it mm-hmm. that it was quite convenient that uh they didn't look they didn't ask him for any documents or anything like that when he got on board the ship and then he found out <laughs> most of the crew this was the same with most of the crew when he found something was going wrong basically uh, the stoker died, and when he went to the captain and asked him about it, he said, oh, well, it's heat stroke. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> a few days later, the entire machine crew fell ill, and they had stomach heat cramps, stroke. and they were being sick. Yeah, and, and the captain went, no, we're not reporting it. And he decided, him and six others decided, we're, we're, we're going to take a lifeboat and get out of here without anyone noticing what they did on the Carolee Deering and on the Mary Celeste. Yeah, I mean... That's what I mean. All these stories are the same. <laughs> I could buy it up to that point, but now this is the kicker, right? They took the documents, but they didn't take any water, any cover or any supplies, and he washed up on the Marshall Islands 4,784 miles away from the Straits of, of Malacca. Ha- how? Uh, I can answer that. Right, okay. So, they didn't take any water because they took the rum. They drank all the rum and then were like, it doesn't matter. We didn't need to bring any water because we're in the sea. It is water. We'll just drink that because, you know, that's what you think when you're drunk. And 
they were 4,000 miles away because they were really fucking good swimmers. Do you know what? They had arms like Popeye. They were like rowing and then eventually they were like, you know what, race you, race you. And then they just swam the rest of the way. If he was called Jack Sparrow rather than Jerry Rabbit, I'd believe that. (laughs) But I'm sorry, no. Like, it's not even... The Marshall Islands are not even anywhere near... And they're in a rowboat. And the Straits of Malacca are one of the busiest seaports in the world. They didn't have this ship registered. No one had any of the... No one had any paperwork. And they decided, oh, you know what would be easy if we go through the one place that connects the Pacific Ocean with the Atlantic Ocean and is one of the main thoroughfares. And they were supposed to be dropping it off in Costa Rica. (laughs) So they would either have to go around the Cape of the uh, Cape Horn down around South Africa, which is, if you want to keep undercover, not a good place to go. Or down round the bottom of Argentina, which, again, is not a good place to go if you want to keep undercover. Jerry Rabbit's wife is going to be pissed. He's going to be so late. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's still he's still, he's still, still at the shops, love. <laughs> yeah, he's gone out for a packet of cigarettes. He ain't oh, no. coming back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. It's... It's... I don't, I don't, I, I... I wish it was true. I mean, it made a fucking awesome game. And if anybody hasn't played Man of Medan, you need to fucking play it immediately. However, yeah, I kind of, I wish it was true, but I got convinced it was a hoax. Yeah, it's 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 a great story along the the Mary Celeste Definitely. and the, the, the kind of ghost ships. But I think where he, he, he fell down... Was is just a retelling of it? <laughs> it didn't. It didn't work in 1947. He didn't make the big books, so he tried it again in 1959. Yeah, no, no one really cared about it. Like they're they're reporting this in 1940. There's a war going on, mate. We're fighting Hitler. No one cares about ghost ships, right? Yes. So we'll try it in 1948. Hang on a minute. Some of us have got memories here. We can remember. But in 1959, everyone was chilling out. You know, they were happy. They were eating ice cream and doing you know, Lindy hops and stuff. And he was like, this might work. I'm going to try it again <laughs> for the fourth time. <laughs> I mean, it, there's a lot of things that that could make a good story here. The chemicals that are being transported from China because you've got the the war is, is just over or the war is just beginning, depending on which uh, date you go with. So they're transporting illicit cargo that cargo isn't held properly and starts to leak out, kills everyone on the ship. But then, why did it not affect the rescue party on the Silver Star? How convenient is it just, like, getting on fire and then sinking? Yes. How convenient is it for Jerry Rabbit to get washed up yeah. 5,000 miles away from where this happened? I just... That's kind of bizarre as well. Like, if you were if you were a dude, and you heard about this story, and you maybe you had got in a like a sea accident or something, and you washed up on shore, why would the first thing you think of be, well, I actually came from that boat that was five thousand miles away. I've drifted five thousand miles, if you can believe it. Either that, or the kraken swallowed me up. And then catapulted me this whole way and I ended up here. It was honestly the weirdest story. If any of you get me a grog, I will tell you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Why would that be the first thing you think of? I, I mean... Because I... he didn't exist. Yeah, I think I think that, that, that <laughs> part... I'd love him to exist. I'd love someone to be called Jerry Rabbit to exist. And to be a sailor. And to like have a hand in transporting chemicals during the war it'd be an awesome story but he, he, he didn't uh do, do you know what there's jerry jerry rabbit he's he's back home in germany right now and he's listening to this podcast and he's like i'm a comment on that you prick yeah but I, I, I i didn't even believe in the occult stuff either dickhead <laughs> either that or it'd be like i was a knight in 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 himmler's himmler's round table me <laughs> One of the one of the knights of the round table, yeah. He's just I taught him everything he needed to know. So yeah, 
first class warlock, me, mate, I tell you. Uh, he never would have got that sword out of the stone without my help right before I boarded that goddamn cursed forsaken ship that washed me 5,000 miles away from where it sank into the depths. Curse it all. I have the worst look. Honestly, I should have stayed in that goddamn castle. Do you know what I've just thought? Maybe he was a knight of the the Himmler's round table and this was his undercover mission. Ooh. And they sent him over there to get these chemicals out. He failed. Would Himmler use chemicals? Well. I thought he was working with magic. May, 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 maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe he put a Craigslist advert up and... Uh, the Chinese were like, well, just say hey, it's, it's potions and shit. They'll fall for it. Look, it's bubbling. <laughs> bubbling. It's good enough. There's smoke coming off it. Just just, just seal that a bit because I've got a cough now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's go with that one. That one's more interesting yeah. than, than the fact that it was a hoax. I like that one better. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah, we've just solved that. Yeah. He was Jerry Rabbit was uh, part of Himmler's <laughs> inner circle and it was potions that they were transporting. We should re-fucking sell this story. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> 2020 version. Yes! Jesus. Right. Let's get Jerry Rabbit on the fucking phone. Actually, you can be Jerry Rabbit. You be Jerry. Can you do a German accent? Not without being racist. We could reinvent. Okay, well, what about what about if Jerry Rabbit's ancestor was from Manchester? An ancestor from Manchester could could be. I mean, don't know many rabbits round there. Uh, Pretend. Oh yeah, of That's course. Point. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, I am Jerry's ancestor. He's uh, my grandfather was a knight of the Himmler's Round Table. You washed up even further. No, because then that makes me sound like a Nazi. No, not doing that. <laughs> No, no, you're modern day Arthurian. Right. You you don't you don't you don't agree with anything that your your Nazi grandfather did. You're proper Arthurian. You're one of the chivalrous knights of the round. You're like you're you're modern day Sir Percival. I'd like to believe. I think you've got me in trouble there. Uh, I think I've just kind of outed myself as a Nazi. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, I, I didn't want to do that until <laughs> the next podcast. Uh, damn. <laughs> You haven't got the tash for a Nazi. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or the, 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 well, yeah, I suppose that's the most important thing, yeah. Mentality. uh. Hey, having a love for Excalibur, Merlin and King Arthur, don't make you a Nazi. I'm in love with Sir Percival. The far right have tainted everything, haven't they? You can't have anything nowadays. God damn. I know. Sorry. Anyway. Do you want to talk about the elf house, <laughs> Yeah. So the Arangmadam was just bullshit, unless you want to believe that it was uh, our Himmler story, which, please believe that, because it makes it a lot more interesting. It does. We shall move on to the, not one, not two, but the three disappearances of El Fasto. Tell me all about it, because I read, I read into it, and I, I did... My brain hurt. I was like, "What? I mean, it went missing. What? It's gone missing again." Hang on a minute, and it just totally confused the life out of me, and my brain turned to mush. So please explain to me in layman's terms. So I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I, I'm very good at layman's terms because I am a layman. But Excellent. I don't. <laughs> there's not that much really to go on. This is a true story because there is documented evidence of it. There's pictures of people waiting for the ship to come back but we don't know why and as to how what happened there's pictures of jesus in people's toast but i don't mean it's real okay yeah fair enough fair enough <laughs> starting off hard continue indeed yeah that's right so el fasto as we all know means the splendid which is what the boat was called just try to show off my spanish there and I didn't know that's what it meant. It, it, yes, it does. And as 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 just aside from this, my favourite saying, well, one of my favourite sayings is, "You make a better door than a window," and they actually have that saying in southern Spain. I need you to teach me that one because I only know El Burro está malo, and there's not much call for the donkey is bad in Spain. I don't think you'll love this. Go on so the saying is, "La carne de burro no es transparente." Which means donkey meat isn't see-through. <laughs> Again, I feel like I would be laughed at if I said that at the train station. <laughs> but, but I was uh, literally, like, I, well, a friend of, uh, an ex-girlfriend came around and my girlfriend walked in front of the TV and I said, 
you make a better door than a window. And a Spanish friend said that in Spanish. And I went, <gasps> you need to teach me that. La carne de burro no es transparente. Probably murdered it, but <laughs> it basically, donkey meat isn't see-through. So it just means get out of the way. What? Oh, I was I was trying to find like a situation I could put myself in, like a social situation where I could use that, where that would come in. And I was like, no. You don't use that, you make a better draw than a window when someone's stood in front of the TV. No, I, I've never heard that in my life. Oh, wow. That's my go-to phrase. If someone walks in front of you and then just stands there, you go, you make a better door than a window because you can't see through a door. No, I, I get I get that now. Now that you've explained what it means, I get that now. But if, like, legit, if I walked in front of your TV and you said to me, you make a better door than a window, I'd be like, are you fucking high? Be like, move your fat ass out of the way. I, <laughs> I just, I like, I legit wouldn't know what you're talking about. I'd be like, okay, he's tripping. I'm just going to go and get some wine or some shit from the fridge because Ant's fucking not all there. But it would have made you move, so it's done the job. True, very true. I prefer the donkey one. Yeah, indeed. Donkey meat isn't see-through. So you can all use that. Anyway, so the Splendid. Uh, The El Fasto was a fishing boat. It wasn't even really a ship. It was just a little fishing boat. And it did runs in the Canary Islands, between the islands. It drops off little things like fruit, water, explosives. Little things. <laughs> we'll get back to that. Yeah, we'll get back to that. Uh, in between the islands. So the three main people who were on the ship were Miguel Acosta, brothers Ramon and Herberto Concepcion. These were the main people who, I wouldn't say captain the ship, but who, who were the main deckhands on the ship. They moved goods from island to island. It was their living. And because this was in 1968, there was no kind of fast ships to do it. So it was basically whatever's in port. If you pulled up, someone needed something going. Like, even if it was just a post or something, you'd, you'd probably do it. So anyway, one day, these guys, uh, they're dropping off explosives for ag- agricultural work on the island south of La Palma and they were going to make their return route they had they were loaded up with some fresh fruit some water nothing major had to go back until Julio Garcia Pino came running down to the dock and he'd missed his the main ship there was a main passenger ferry that went back and forth between the islands he'd missed it but he got a phone call from his wife saying, oh, our daughter's ill. You need to come back. She's, she's going to have to go into a hospital. I don't know what to do. Can you come back? So Julio was like, he'd missed the ferry. He was running up and down to try and try and get a lift. He was a mechanic that, that worked in different islands kind of thing. He just, he just got a job on the island and it was where he was going to be based. He asked the guys, can you, can you give us a lift back? My daughter's ill. When he explained the situation, he said, no, yeah, come aboard. Don't worry about paying us. We'll take you back. They had enough fuel to travel the 98 kilometers that separated the islands. They were actually waiting for the, their families were waiting for them to come back because there was a festival that was going to go on, uh, the Virgindale Carmen. And so it was going to be a big party time. They were just waiting for him to come back to have this party. So the sea was, it was nice and calm, nothing untoward. There was a little bit of a fog, but that was it. So they set off and I think they were going, they should have been back by, it should have taken them no less than eight hours, this crossing. After the eight hours had passed, they didn't turn up. And people started to get worried. The families went to the, the, the head guy and said, we need to, we need to find out what's gone on. They called out a ship that did the route that they were doing, traversed the route, and they just went backwards over this 98 kilometer route. There was, they didn't find anything. Nothing was going on. The ship went, uh, from, one island to the other, doing the opposite route that the El Fasto should have done. It didn't find anything, and when it came back to the island, they said, right, well, they may actually be missing now. 
on July 22nd, it was actually officially missing at sea. At noon of July 22nd, a Seska bomber took off from the island of Gran Canaria and this was involved in the search just to try and sweep the sea to see wherever they were. There was no clouds. It was exceptional visibility. When they came back, they hadn't seen anything. The families really panicked. Everyone's worried about these people because this was such an easy route. It's, it's what they've done time and time again. They were experienced fishermen. Even in the worst case scenarios, they, they, they could have directed themselves by the stars. Even if all their machine, all their compasses and everything failed, they, they would have got back home. But they actually didn't. And they only had a, a few supplies. It wasn't enough for them to be out at sea for days and days and days. By the 25th of July, everyone's panicking about what's happened. But the maritime authorities received a radio message from the Duquesa, uh, which was a British ship, so it's actually the Duchess. Just want to put that in there. That's because my Spanish is so good. <laughs> Check you out. I know. So this was actually, it was actually coming back from Argentina and going to the, it was actually going to the Netherlands, but it was, it was crossing the Atlantic Ocean. And it spotted a ship that was adrift and looked for all intents and purposes that it had no momentum. So, they called it in. The, the 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 guys on the deck were waving at them. They were they were flashing flashlights at them to get the attention of the uh, the Duchess. And it was El Fasto. They found it in the middle of a hundred miles, hundred nautical miles from where it actually should have been west. So th- it was a north and south journey they should have been taking, but for some reason they'd gone a hundred miles west of where they should have been. So they were basically in a triangle. If you look at it as a triangle, north and south, and they, they were west, they were they were so far off kilter. They must have been drifting to get there. The Duchess gets hold of La Palma, explains to them the situation, they found them. Everyone's really happy that they, they found them. They say, right, what we're gonna do is we'll give them a tow back into into Palmer and and they'll be there very very shortly. Don't worry about it. So they pull up to the El Fasto and they they speak to them and say like what's going on. All the guys on the sh- on on the boat were no, we're fine. All we need is some fuel, some water, uh, cigarettes for some reason. Well, I know the reason, but cigarettes was has been mentioned in many places, which I. I I don't know why it's that important, but fruit, water, <laughs> cigarettes, okay, fuel, and and they were, were will 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 just do with that. So the crew, of the Duchess, were were trying to like not forcing them, but they were so confused as to how they ended up here to be where they should have been, and they didn't want to be told in. They they were all very sanguine about it. They were. No, there's no issues here. We just lost our way. That's that's all. That's bizarre. Yeah, exactly. They were just very, but they weren't aggressive about it. They weren't. No, you can't come on board. You can't help us. We're fine. They 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 got help with the supplies, but they didn't want help being towed in. Even after they'd been lost, which is bizarre. Yeah, and they didn't know where they were but i i mean yeah maybe they knew where they were but they shouldn't have been where they were so i yeah i don't understand this bit of the story Hmm. maybe they were pirates this is one of this is one of the things as well that uh may that we'll talk about in a bit that that what could have happened the duchess radioed palmer and said you know what? They don't want to be told in. You can't forcibly told them in. We've given them enough fuel to get to back to the location to get there and back. Uh, they've got water. They've got fruit. They've got all the cigarettes they need. <laughs> We're just going to leave them here. They should be back 
in port at seven o'clock. And they actually gave the destination time was seven o'clock. The mayor actually called everyone in to the, all the families, all the friends into the actual harbour and said, you know what? We'll have this festival here now because these people are coming back. When they get back, they can be swept up and be right in it. And there's actually pictures of the friends and family waiting at the harbour at the dock for them to come back. But seven o'clock rolls by and they're not there. So people are getting a little bit sweating and a bit. Naturally. What could have happened? Time comes and goes, nothing happens. So on the 26th of July, the again, one uh, a Seska plane takes off from Gran Canaria. And this time the orders were, were pretty much clear to fly to where the Duchess was and to work into that point, work outwards and just try and find out where they could be. That was like their their area of search, their ground zero and then work outwards kind of thing. Yeah. This actually what it was one of the biggest sea rescues that Spain ever took part in at the time for the fast the fasto. But they didn't find anything. It it cost over one million potatoes <laughs> to uh to, to to do this search. They came up with nothing. And it was only over a few days period. There were so, so many people involved in this to try and find them, but they found nothing. After a couple of days, a couple of weeks, the fast hole was listed as lost at sea. Now, October the 9th, the Ana de Mayo came across a floating boat in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Now, the Ana de Mayo was en route to Venezuela and it was pretty much in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. You couldn't get more in the middle if you tried kind of thing. They came across this ship. It was just, there was no sign of life on board. There was no one on lookout, no one steering it. It was just floating listlessly in the sea. They pulled up to it, they boarded the ship, it was completely fine, there was nothing wrong with it, it was seaworthy up to every point. Looking round, they thought, right, whoops, something awry has gone on. They went down into the engine room, this is where they found Julio, who was on his back, dead. He had, he'd left a little notebook. Which was, which had some numbers in, written in the front. And in the back, it looked, there was, there was a lot of, uh, Spanish writing. It looked a little bit complicated for the, the Italians to translate, but they could kind of like see that it was a final farewell that he'd written. He'd actually, I don't think there was never any cause of death for him. He was just, dead. So the Anna D. Mayo radios it in and they actually find out that it is the uh, the El Fasto and they're going to take it back to La Palma. So as they're towing it, they've told all the inhabitants of La Palma, they're all waiting for the boat to come back just to try and get some closure. The Spanish authorities are well aware of what's happened, so they can actually get closure on the case as well. It's no longer lost in sea. It's, it, they can put it down as a terrible accident. What happened was as soon as they were a few hundred miles away from La Palma, one of the crew members of the Ana de Mayo turned around and saw that the ship was listing forward. And then before they even had a chance to to stop their own ship, the El Fasto had sunk, taking with it any secrets that it may have had on board. Convenient. Yeah, exactly. This is this is the thing. So all they literally had from this this outing or or, or this this mystery is this uh notebook that Julio had left. It basically what it was, his his wife later identified it as his notebook. The numbers in the front were just 
like receipts of of how much his his worker cost as a uh, as a mechanic, and in the back was all the details of what she needed to do regarding insurance and stuff like that to carry on with his wife. But interestingly, he he put in a a sentence which is a little bit bizarre. It's, don't ever tell our son all that has happened to me. You know God wanted this fate for me. Love you. What? This this was the the child that he was rushing to get back to. It's because she was she was ill, he had to get off the island. Or or so he said. But in, in the notebook there was twenty eight pages missing. Mm, that's a bit suspicious. Ripped out. So literally all, all it contained was his receipts in the front, this note in the back to his wife about insurance and about don't tell our child this this has happened to me. And in the middle is twenty eight pages that are missing. Now, there's a few suspicions as to what was happening. During this time, or just previous to this time, I should say, that when Franco took over in Spain, the Canary Islands were were very much not looked after, and they were left on their own to kind of govern themselves and whatnot. So one theory is that they were a lot of Spaniards during this time kind of made their way to Venezuela and to South America to try and make a new life for themselves. So one of the theories is they were doing that, but that doesn't really hold up because they were in a fishing boat. It wasn't a substantial boat to be doing a going across the Atlantic in. Julio was rushing to get back to see his daughter so why would even if the other three guys were doing this and going to venezuela and just going oh we've had enough why would he be the last one alive yeah he was the one that had the incentive to get home yeah and why did they only take so little food and drink yeah it, w- it would have been a three-week cr- crossing they they barely had enough food and drink to last the week few bits of fruit yeah that is one of the things the other thing is that they saw something that they weren't supposed to see at sea so maybe there was something cold warish russians oh, i thought you were going to say the kraken i mean that but why the boat wouldn't be there though if it was a kraken well, maybe it was a nice Kraken. Maybe it was, it was a Kraken that was like, I'm not even going to waste my time on you because the fucking Carolee Deering's on its way over. I've just finished off the Philadelphia experiment, except it teleported before I could actually, you know, swallow it. But I have managed to kill all the crew. And uh, I'm just I'm just waiting on the Orang Madan. Time I let you go because you're not worth my time. Could be. But unlikely. <sighs> you always want to go for the reasonable explanations. I know, I know, logic, who would have thought? You suck. So, to be honest, with this theory that they were supposed to see something, there was a few Cold Warish things going on with USSR submarines in the Atlantic taking down US ships, but even if they would have seen it, would they have come up on the radar? Do you know, would, would the Fasto come up on the radar of a submarine or a, a frigate or something that big and pff, why leave a body on board but i guess it would it would come up on the radar but i don't think that would they would constitute would constitute as a issue yeah they would just be like it's a fishing boat who cares exactly i think by the time they got back even if they would have seen this and they would have said oh we've seen this who would have cared yeah do you know i mean they're not like Franco's in charge, to, who's like they're not gonna go. Oh yeah, we need to. This is an international incident. I don't think anyone is gonna be that bothered about it. Another theory is that they were transporting guns or other stuff, and they were trying to avoid people. <sighs> I mean, 
So why didn't that guy put it in his letter to his wife then? Like, I'm sorry I'm dead. I got involved in some serious shit with some guns and some guys. I didn't realize that they weren't just fishermen. They were lying to me. And I'm sorry, uh, but I've starved to death because they only packed four bananas and we've eaten them. The thing is, he may have put that in, in the 28 pages that were taken. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. That is that is a thing. He, like again, with the something that they that he witnessed, he may have wrote it down in twenty eight pages. Why just take the twenty eight pages? That it's like why cut the labels out of stuff? It just leaves more questions than it answers. Why not? Twenty eight take- pages is a lot, though. I kind of feel like it's a bit of a relief for his wife. Like she she'd have to read War and Peace. Well, yeah, I suppose. I mean, yeah. But, but, but 28, how many pages does a notebook have? Why not just take the notebook? Well, maybe, maybe it was only, maybe it was a little one. If it was a little one, then there's an excuse. But like, if I had like a, a like, if, like if Dave left me an A4 notebook and there was like 28 pages of stuff, I'd probably get through like a page and a half and be like, <sighs> I'll read the rest, the rest later. This is. <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got ages to read it. I'm going to live yeah. for, forever. <laughs> I've got the rest of my life to read this. I'm not really... It just goes on. and It's terrible grammar. Very poor punctuation. <laughs> yeah. I can't even right now. I'll wait till it comes out in audiobook. What do you think happened? The, e- the, the, the most convenient, and although I don't like going down the convenient route, is that they kind of had one setback after another that ended them up in the position where they were when the Duchess found them. And just pure pride at that point of them being we're salty sea dogs kind of thing. We don't need any help. We can get back. I think that just intervened in them, with them. That's nuts. Indeed. And the thing is as well, a lot of it doesn't make sense because Julio was a mechanic. So therefore, anything wrong with the ship's engine, he could have had a crack at fixing. I'm not saying he could have fixed it, but he could have done jerry-rigged it to get them back. And even at that point, when the the Duchess comes round, just go, our engine's knackered. We've tried, but we need to get back. I think maybe somebody sneaked on board and they were like hiding below deck, like with a gun to their back, like... Tell them you just want fags and that's it and you'll be on your way. And they're like, no, no, we, we don't want to. We're fine. We're abs- we meant to come this way. We were just go- we were going in the scenic group because we were like, well, you know, these five bananas. I mean, we packed way more than we can ever eat. So we're just going to go the long way around. And- Ow, that hurts in the back of my spine. Yeah, no, we're absolutely fine. Honestly, no, I've just got a twin. Sciatica, you know, that's, that's I'm just, yeah, fine. We're absolutely fine. You can just be on your way now. Go now. Very far away. You don't need to watch us anymore. It is funny that you do mention that because one of the theories that has been floated is that the boat was kidnapped by a Nazi fugitive who was trying to make his way to South America. (laughs) Fucking Nazis. Because the SS officers were being hunted down at this point in time. He thought he'd be safer in South America. But did the South Americans hate the Nazis any less than anywhere else in the world? Well, no, that's where they all went after the war. Is it Himmler? No, one of them's buried in Sao Paulo. Why? Because that's where they went. That's where he went and retired. You can retire as a Nazi? I don't think that's a thing. It's not a career, is it? Being a Nazi. I mean, they made it a career. Oh, true. Right, hang on, I'm Googling it. Nazi buried South because I want to go to this sounds Mengel Joseph Mengel oh my god Joseph Mengel he was a fucking arsehole ah yeah he's buried in uh, he was buried in Sao Paulo I feel like arsehole was a bit of an understatement you know what I mean yeah 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 uh, in 1979 I don't think they should have let him be buried anywhere no exactly but there was when they were hunting him down this is where Mossad when Mossad did most of their operations in South America, in Argentina, in Brazil, in Paraguay, this is where a lot of SS officers fled to because they thought they were over the other side of the world and because they were arseholes, they thought nobody else could go over the other side of the world like they had done. 
using the same. What about the people that already lived there? Using <laughs> yeah, exactly. Using the same like transportation that the Nazis had done. They thought no, no one else can do that. Just us because we're super. And they just hoped that the people that lived there thought they were nice as pie. Yeah, and to be honest with you, they got away with it for quite a while, like nineteen seventy nine. A bunch of dicks. Yeah, yeah. There's... Also, shame on those people for not recognising that they were a bunch of dicks. Unless they were offering to mow people's lawns, surely you can detect a dick when you see one. Maybe they were offering to mow people's lawns. Maybe they, maybe they, maybe they were being really nice. Well, yeah, Nazis in South America is uh, is boys from Brazil. The boys from Brazil. That's a documentary about how they all how they all fucked off over there. So I missed that one. Eichmann. Was another one. Sorry, just just going into Nazis now again. God, how do we always end up here? They get around because they get everywhere. They get into all of our stories. Eichmann was brought back by Mossad agents. Mengel was there. Mengel should have been hung, drawn, and quartered. If they brought him to Britain, we would have guy forks the twat. Indeed, indeed. And then made indeed. a national holiday about it every single fucking year ever since. So it's not that extreme in a thought process to think that they were taken hostage. Hijacked. Yeah, forced into it. But with the amount of supplies they had on the ship, it wouldn't have been the cleverest. But that that explains the their behaviour when the, the, the Duchess was there and they didn't want at all when they just wanted more fuel and maybe maybe maybe, maybe yeah maybe the, the nazi was a chain smoker maybe that's what it was yeah or maybe they just needed lots of nicotine to calm their nerves because they had a gun at their back could be that as well yeah but it's a it's a really it's a it's an interesting story and the thing is as it's true Above, like, I'm saying it's it's more true than the Orang Medan because there is actually pictures of the people waiting at the docks and this was actually the most expensive maritime search mission that Spain ever launched at the time. As if you're shit talking my Orang Medan. <laughs> Fine. They just never found it. See, it's more, yeah, it's more plausible than the Orang Medan. Should have started with this one. No, because then that would have made the Orang Medan seem even stupider. Still a really good game, though. Yes, it is that. It is that. And as much as, as much as, I mean, to be honest with you, maybe it is a genuine ghost ship. And three times this ship has been spotted around these areas. I mean, El Fausto went missing three times. Indeed, yeah. But. More than one person reported on it, so... Maybe one more than one person for the Orang Medan was silenced by the CIA and the men in black. Yes, Could... my tinfoil hat is firmly on. Could be, Jessup. And may, may, <laughs> maybe that's what he was going to reveal as well. I've got the Philadelphia so... Experiment and the Orang Medan. I've got all the answers here, and then he was murdered. Yeah, we should probably conduct a seance to try and get back in touch with him to find out the truth. Is that where we're going now, yeah? Okay. <laughs> I just feel like that's that's the next step in this. I think I think I think we need to invest in a spirit box and uh yeah. We do, yeah. Can we get an Oculus Five? Jeez. Oh, an Oculus in that headset. Oh, uh, no, an Oculus. I don't want an Oculus. I don't and uh, I don't want VR. I want an Oculus Five. I think I I think maybe oh no, an Oculus Six is the latest one, but an Oculus Five will come down in price now. You can get me one of those for Christmas. Oh okay, yeah. I'll have a look at it. Probably only about three or four hundred quid. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get two. One for me, one for you, yeah. You would if you loved me. Yeah, well, yeah. Yes, I went there. Yeah, well, you'll see how much I don't then by not getting one. <laughs> <laughs> Your loss. You'll never find out exactly what happened. I'll get I'll get you a pound shop one. Uh, oh, thanks. It's going to pick up baby monitors from the neighbourhood. Yeah, because obviously the, the, the top-end ones pick up just ghosts. They do. They pick up the other side. Poundland ones just pick up baby monitors. Everybody knows this, and Where have you been all your life? Right, right. There's a review on Amazon that, sa- triggered. that says, definitely the biggest con in the ghost hunting field. I mean... Is that the Poundland baby monitors? 
the biggest con in the ghost hunt, like, ghost... If a what? What are you looking uh, at? The, the ovulus. Oh. I'm saying that's a... To be the biggest con in the ghost hunting field is, is that's, what a sweeping statement that is. I mean, do you know how much crap's out there? Like, ghosts aren't real for a start. So, for, for someone to say it's the biggest con in ghost hunting is, uh. Fine, I'll just settle for a trifield meter instead. <laughs> right. Anyway, so, on that bombshell. <laughs> yes. We'll uh, we'll we'll end it there. That was the, that was the story of the uh, the orangutan and the the splendid or the alfasto, if you want to be uh, fancy. El puro está malo. Indeed, la carne de burro no es transparente. <laughs> I'm keeping that one. I like it. Yeah, that was the disappearing ghost ships. Well, not ghost ships, but just disappearing ships. Weird ships. Shit that went down bad. All of the above. Both were true. Yes. Unless you're on. Yes, indeed. Both were as true as true can be. This has been the <laughs> MO Podcast with me, Conservation Sam, <laughs> and me, Atreya. Thank you all so much for joining us, and we shall see you next time. Take care. Bye. Bye.